Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey there, I'm looking nervously up at the wall because uh, that alarm's going to go off. I just want you to know, it's uh, it's definitely going to go off. First Tuesday in the month, and uh, it's going to go, I think. Well, we had my brother yesterday, we got my sister today, and uh, I don't know, next week we're going to start working on Second Cousins Once Removed. So is that? Good morning. Good morning. You have a little bit of a buzz. Is that on our end? It's on our end. Hang on. Okay. Everything okay? Yeah. It's just busy around here. Yeah, I know. I know. Susan ran up to Green Bay uh, in the wake of the... uh, near fatal uh, accident involving the lightning, the tree, and my mother. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So yep. I got back on a, uh, from seeing a family in St. Louis on... Uh, Sunday. Uh, Saturday. Sunday. Sunday. And now you're Sunday. up here in... Yeah, yeah. so you don't and, even know where uh, you are anymore. the night, I didn't even unpack my suitcase. <laughs> I just closed it back up. Oh, God. And brought all my dirty laundry up here. <laughs> well, that's what... You know, yeah. even if you're on uh, Medicare, it is totally cool to still bring your dirty laundry to your mother's house. Uh, you know, so that's fine. <laughs> I didn't have a choice. No. Where's the alarm? Usually they're right on the nose at 10. It's going to happen. You see, they're just waiting to scare the shit out of you when you've forgotten about it. Can, can we turn up the audio a little? I don't know if I've gone deaf or not. Uh, Bill left this morning. Um, I love him dearly, but he's exhausting. He is totally exhausting. Did you, uh, did you um, have a more... Um, yes. A drier night Yes, we night? definitely <laughs> did. I feel fine now. Um, she's, <laughs> but that's what he did to mother you. Was, mother was complaining because the night that the tree fell on her head, yeah, two of her yes oldest friends came to take her out oh, to, to dinner. dinner. Right. Took a look at the roof and said, "Oh, got her in the car and took her out for Chinese food where she couldn't get so much as a beer, not a drink, not anything." And she's so mad at these two women that she that's it. She says she feels differently about them forever now. And well, because they it. didn't, you're not explaining it, right? Because they didn't even, here are all these, there's a hole in her roof, lightning struck, I mean, within, so she, she had just, it is, tr- and, and. Directly above her head. And I know, I know. And they pick her up. This happens right when they're, you know, going to dinner. They pick her up, and she says, my, my house, my, I was right under my lightning, thunder, my bedroom is destroyed, my, oh, my God. And they just said, all right, oh, it's okay. Get it. And they didn't, they didn't, she said the whole dinner, they never talked. I mean, she felt. They never talked about it. They, they, they were just having a visit, or as Mother says, talking about absolutely nothing. She was going nuts. And she and wanted on a, top of it, she couldn't even have a, a drink. drink. Yeah, she was pissed. <laughs> So you know when really you're all she wanted was right. a good stiff drink. And yeah, I don't blame her. No, I don't either. When you're ninety, well, she'll be ninety-six in a few weeks. When you're ninety-six and you you just escape death, literally. I mean, we are not exaggerating. You're vaguely method. irritated that you didn't die. <laughs> yes, and she is. She's very. She's always liked the idea of a quick death. So she thought that was her shot, and maybe she was supposed to die. 
and whatever. She said, it would have been quick. I wouldn't have known what hit me, blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> but um, to have, you know, you don't have a lot. Of, your friends are mostly dead if you're 96. So the two that picked her up are what? They're in their 90s. But I think well, one's 94 and one's 92. <coughs> okay. So no, one's 90 and one's 92. Yeah, but so and anyway. One of, them, one of them actually died last year but was brought back That's to true. Life, one so of them did probably, die last year. She's right. probably fairly blasé about this near-death stuff. <laughs> well, that's true. Since been there, done that. But that they didn't. It didn't register on them. Maybe at that age, you're just sort of like, I don't know. Maybe are you out of empathy by that age? It's like, you know, you're just, you like, you're just trying real hard to hang on. I don't, I don't know, but she, our mother is pissed off that they did not offer the kind of support that she needed. I'm, that's awful. No, though. I mean, if, 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 You've got if, if it basically freaked her out, which is why when I talked to her yesterday morning uh, to check in to see... You realized you had to because, come. Yeah. Because I, well, actually, because I had a bet with one of her good friends here who had called me on Sunday night to assure me that my mother had promised everybody over and over that she was going to sleep upstairs and not in her damaged bedroom. And I said to this woman, I'll bet you 50 bucks she sleeps in her bedroom. So I called up this morning. I said, so, Mom, how was your night? Where did you sleep? She said, I am so tired of everybody telling me what to do. I slept in my room. And I said, I knew it. I'm The ceiling's <laughs> caving in. Are you, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <coughs> and it's yeah, but no, she moved. And she slept there again. She slept there. So there's no one tells her what to do. But the thing is, I no, understand. And, and, but the but the construction guys came this morning, and yeah. they and they gave her the a okay to sleep there. She's okay. oh, they did. They said it's you're you're okay. Yeah, they don't think there's structural, structural damage to the beams. So, ha ha, that's what she said. So, what happened to the fire alarm? But just so just so you understand, people, this was at least a sixty-five foot branch of a very old tree, um, and it's several tons worth. It's took about 20 feet to reach my mother's, the roof of my mother's bedroom. Then it went across the whole thing, and it's sticking 25 feet out the other side. In the backyard, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Um, <laughs> well, but what's funny, I anyway, mean, what she but, does is I sit. I was exa- happily listening yeah, to you yeah. two sp- doing your show yesterday. <laughs> Bill you, looks so teeny sitting. <laughs> he looked tiny? Because of yeah, his chairs. Yeah, his looked tiny. He was sitting oh. there very, very... Low chair. D- uh-huh. These chairs, they're maddening. You sit in them, and they just go down. And now Susan... Well, I mean, I find it interesting because just for anybody that watched, that man is six foot two and broad-shouldered. I don't think he's 6'2". He was 6'1", now. He's six one. I don't he even think he's 6'1". I don't think... Our dad was 6'3", and Bill never got that. Bill, I don't think, uh-uh. I think it's, he's just about six feet right now. He said he lost an inch already, so no, he's not that big. Oh, well, he fused his back. Okay, this is boring, but never mind. I know, but whatever. <laughs> anyway. It's better than the alternative. Yeah, right. Jesus. So it turns out that... 
Bill knows two of these judges on Trump's short list. The short list? Yeah. Yeah. They're both. I haven't even looked at the short list. Well, you don't want to. They're both from Michigan. Um, one of them he likes very much. He says the other one is a very nice. So in other words, he's saying very nice people. Very. I, I don't care if they're nice. I kept. I was screaming. Who cares if they're nice? No. If they're on the short I, I, list, they are. They are federalist. Uh, you know, the first uh, originalists. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's well, excuse me, I hate that term. They are anti-abortion. That is true. So he, he said the... Well, I hate that term, too, because I'm anti-abortion, yeah, but I yeah, am yeah. for a woman's right to choose. Right. I'm for a woman being able to control her I mean, everybody's anti-abortion. Nobody wants one. No, no. I know. Well, that's another, that's another um, you know, uh, branding uh, uh, war that the, uh, our side lost uh, decisively. Uh, we are just, you well, know, I, I, guys, we're, we're really lousy at winning. We're we really lousy at this. At winning because, anything. Excuse me, I'm pro-life. Yeah. Well, sorry, the other side's got that. You, want, you can't be pro-life. You know, I argue that frequently because I'm so pro-life that I <laughs> hear about people after they're born. Yeah, I imagine that. Yeah. Well, anyway, so... And the, I think all God's mm-hmm. children are our children. Mm. I'm pro-life. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I'm I'm very upset. I am now, you know, I am a uh, it, since I'm in my post-mating feminist phase. I I am, um, you know, I am just fighting to keep these men from resubjugating Us. women. Yeah. And and they're trying. And they've got a lot of female accomplices. Since of the oh, they fi- have a ton of female of accomplices. the five on the I short can't, list, I can't even believe it. No, two of them are. Well, like uh, one of the women who was uh, interviewed yesterday. <clears throat> I'm sorry for my voice; it's just not right. Um, she's got like seven children. She's Catholic. <laughs> she's got seven children. And uh, she's totally opposed to abortion, right? And um, she's young as hell, and she's uh, pretty, yeah, pretty little blonde. And I, I don't know. They're gonna. One of these people, female or male, is going to be on the court, and the court's gone. The court is gone for the rest of my life. There's no stopping it. Why do people say we got to stop? There's no stopping it. No stopping it. We don't have the votes. Well, there have been a few Republicans that have. Oh, um, Susan. Yeah. How can I you? I don't yeah. know why I still. Yeah. Why? why? I still believe that you're when still they waiting. Say they're going to stand yeah. up. Yeah. You're still waiting for what? Susan Collins. I mean, no. no I'm, I'm, I've, I got angry at her back on the Obamacare vote. She is, you know, she always says, well, they said. They what, said they would do They this, said they then, would do know, it. Really? They assured me. I'm thinking, you idiot. So, wait, what's wrong with her voice? Can I, can I, do you know what I mean? 
Well, there's something wrong with her voice. The tremory thing. But we are hardly we are hardly the people. No, I know, I know, I know. But I'm saying it's, it, it seems like a medical issue. I mean, it's sort of like this uh, this this wavery thing. Do you know what I'm talking well, about? Well, she might have some of the same stuff that. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, who is that wonderful woman on NPR? Um, uh, um, Diane Reem. Yeah, Diane Reem. With a vocal cord issue. (coughs) Maybe so. I just have, I'm screaming so much issue that my throat is, I might just ruin my vocal cords. That's all that's wrong with me. Um, Well. I don't know. I don't know. So the storm that uh, almost took mom out uh, blew through here last night. That's the same one. And, uh, wow, Sue's, we had um, a lot of flooding, a lot of, uh, I mean, it was something, very intense storm, a lot of thunder, a lot of lightning. Uh, My son, who was in Seattle, finally gets back. His plane manages in between the storms to land in Pittsburgh, and then he's stuck. Oh, God, this is like a nightmare. You know, traveling is always a nightmare, but you're stuck on the plane because of the lightning um, around the airport There's and no ground crew allowed. ground crew yeah. not allowed on the tarmac and so you know you think you're and home so the pilot comes on and goes well folks we have you on the ground but because there's <laughs> lightning in the area we are forced to sit here until ground crew can come out it was over an hour yeah yeah man well anyway so um Oh, Susan, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, the, the, the happy story of the day is uh, they found the kids in Thailand. I mean, I... Yeah, but the unhappy story is they might have to stay there for six months until no. the rainy season is over. No, I'm sure they'll get, they'll, they'll get it. They'll, they, they will. They'll well, get, they'll, I, mean, I was reading about this because I thought, oh, good, they got divers to them. I guess they'll come through with scuba equipment, and one at a time they'll swim the guys out. Right. But no, apparently that's so dangerous that they're probably going to bring food to them, and they're putting them on antibiotics, and they might just have to sit there for until the water goes down. Until the water goes down. Oh, I hope not. That's like October. I hope they'll, they'll figure something out. I don't know, but anyway, whoever thought they'd be alive? So that's pretty cool. They're all alive. Um. Oh, Milton, what would I do? They're all in good condition. Yeah, what would I do without Milton? This has to be what Susan Collins has. Um, It's called spasmodic dysphonia, also known as laryngeal dystonia. It's a disorder in which the muscles that generate a person's voice go into periods of spasm. This results in breaks or... Yeah, that's what Diane reads. Yeah, this results in breaks or interruptions in the voice, often... Every few sentences, which can make a person difficult to understand. Well, hers just seems sort of like a constant. This is sort of like the you know it's sort just of a, a very weak voice. Uh, yeah, but there's a kind of a yeah a spasmodic quality to it, which drives me fucking nuts. And I know it's not right because that makes her disabled, and I, as a tolerant liberal, should not even be drawing attention to it like this. This is one step or away. Fun of it. This is one <laughs> step away from Trump making from, fun from of the, the of the yeah. That's right. So I better stop, but somehow I can't. Yep. Okay. Tell yep. me to stop. It's not good. 
stop. All right. Where's the fire alarm? They forgot. They forgot. Well, that's really weird. It'll it'll come they at the most. They forgot because the guy that does the fire alarm took the week off. No, but they have a sign up in the lobby saying "testing fire alarm." At you know, they did. They did. They well, have. Well, the it, fire so. alarm isn't working. <laughs> it's a good thing they tested it. They found out it's not working. <laughs> Maybe that's it. There's an article in the. Uh, oh, speaking of the New York Times. You know. I canceled. Who is speaking of the New York Times? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excuse me. I just thought. Oh I'd God, ask. we both snorted. Oh God. Okay. Now I'm speaking of the New York Times, and I have seriously considered uh, dropping my subscription. And if I drop the New York Times after I've already dropped my local newspaper, <laughs> I'm, I'm down to the friggin' Wall Street Journal. But I have to tell you, the New York Times is pissing me off with a regularity that I don't know. I'm, I so much prefer the reporting in the Washington Post that I'm wondering why am I... Yeah, what am I getting these the friggin' Well, you can't. The Washington Post cannot be delivered to you. I know, that's the negative. That's the negative. I'm, I'll tell you what I do with the New York Times, because it does irritate me, and because being an urban dweller recycling is not as easy as it used to be. Huh. I, I pay for own, uh, the electronic version during the week, and I get the Sunday paper. And yeah, oh yeah, okay. I mean, all I want is the Sunday paper so I can do my puzzles. But, um, yeah, uh, they ran a piece, was it yesterday, that so blew my mind. I couldn't even deal with it. And they do this all the time. They're always doing these pieces on Trump voters and humanizing them. And... And I'm sick of it. The people well, they've been getting in trouble. I mean, you know, when they tried to humanize the white supremacists, they got a lot well, of Well, listen, did you hear about the one they ran, though? This is a guy named, is it Michael Bennett? Um, it's, it's beyond belief. Okay, let me see. Uh, let me find it. Uh, he did a piece on Donald Trump as an embodiment of family values. You're kidding. No. Under, uh, I, how twisted do you have to do to do a piece about Trump as This is in the frigging values? New York Times. He's there explain you know what on your wife seriously yeah. yes, yes, your yes. wives yes. seriously yes. because yes. grabbing women by their privates is the, uh, it, it, okay, okay. Okay, what this guy is doing is, again, this is like the same kind of trying to explain to us elites that these people who love him are living a different reality and, and the guy is James Bennett. That's who it is. Um... Uh, Okay, let me let me read a little bit of it to you. It's it's beyond belief. Baffling, Mr. Bennett says, as it may be to elites. 
Mr. Trump embodies a real, if imperfect, model of family values. Okay? People familiar with this purple family model, how he comes up with purple, I don't know, it's earlier in the year. purple family model, tend to view his alienation from his children's mother as normal and his closeness to his children as exceptional and admirable. I saw this among my acquaintances in Nebraska. Even those from red families were more likely than my acquaintances in New York, the elites, to know someone who has had a child out of wedlock or is subject to a restraining order. Mr. Trump's family values may even explain some of his populist appeal. Global leaders like Macron and Merkel appear to have stable and loving marriages, but their childlessness makes them worse example, exemplars of family values in the eyes of some non-elites. It makes them worse exemplars. Uh, so they think that divorcees who have multiple children by multiple women are more like they are and they appreciate them. Contempt, and here it is, contempt for elite respectability is reflected not only in the respective party platforms but in the personal lives of these leaders. I don't know what this guy's talking about. I really don't know. And um, somebody I'd like, Charlie Pearson, Esquire magazine, called it. He said this. I never will understand how this unexpurgated cod swallop ever got past the laughter stage at editorial meetings. But not only did it, it was printed in the New York Times about how Trump embodies um, a kind of now American red state American values where, yeah, you have children by various women. You may not even, you know, you whatever. I don't know. I can't even understand it. And 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 um, so we elites, uh, I'm including all of you, have now replaced, you know, liberals as the the most denigrated group on the right. And anything we favor, the other side hates, just hates. I don't know. The guy, Susan, are you there? I'm here. Okay, you're not interested. No, um, I am. I was looking. I was looking for the article myself in the New York Times, and it's not popping up. So maybe they took it down. So the the guy who's uh, in Esquire says, I know my share of people who were born and live in Nebraska, and none of them are as deeply, weirdly twisted as this, as Trump is. I mean, I, it, this is bullshit. This effort on the well, part. Well, it is bull. I'm, this man, this man has, this man is is evil. To to discuss his values, you can only discuss them in terms of negative. Yeah. His lacking thereof. You can't somehow turn it around and take his lacking thereof as 
the thing itself. Um, one... I mean, he, his relationship with his with his children is to is to you know desire his daughter and to really not think very much of either of his sons. That's I would agree. And to ignore the fourth daughter, whose mother he didn't like. Yeah. You know, the former... I, I don't understand any of Well, it. I don't the either. the lack of values. I know. Exa- no values at all. Um, one, the former executive director of the New York Times, Jill Abramson, finally can't take anymore. She says, I have resisted critiquing the Times publicly, but this shit is bad. She wrote this in an email to, uh, to Charlie Pierce at Esquire. She said, I'm feeling about the New York Times now. And she was there forever, like I did when my son cheated on a test in 10th grade. I loved him to death, believed he was a thoroughly wonderful guy, but he needed a course correction. So I left my desk at the Times, where I was D.C. bureau chief at the time, met his school bus, and read him the riot act. He needed a course correction, and so does the New York Times. It is making horrible mistakes left and right. Well, I've heard a lot of complaints from New York, sta- New York Times staff about yeah. this, you know, even-handedness to the point of obscenity because things like this are getting published. Yeah, a lot. It's it's just a lot. A lot, frequently. I mean, as I said, it started with that piece about the, the, the how nice the white supremacist was. Right, that's right. And people right. went nuts. Yeah. They do it, but they do those pieces all the time. Maybe all not the quite time. that egregious. So why am I paying? I it. pay so much money for this friggin' So paper. don't. Yeah. So don't. We've got a call. Hello, caller. Hello? 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 Hello. I, I've got a question for your sister since she's a lawyer. If the Democrats, this is a big if, get the whole shebang again, is it possible that it might be dirty pool, but it, the rules might allow it, the Democrats to make the Supreme, the President to make the Supreme Court 50-50 where it's bipartisan? Well, you'd have to amend the Constitution. So um, even if Congress passed a law, they couldn't pass a law that was contrary to the rules of the Constitution. So the only way to do that would be to have, what is it, two-thirds of the states also agree to reformulating the Supreme Court and and how it works. So, no, Democrats being in office wouldn't change anything. Well, you know, I had this conversation. I thought I read something about FDR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. FDR packing the court, his attempt. I, Susan, I talked about Bill, because Lawrence Tribe, who is a law professor at Harvard, said nowhere in the Constitution it, does it say there are nine justices on the court. So I don't, I don't think it requires. Um, but Well, it, then, okay. Yeah, but the only, that. yeah, but... You know, FDR tried to do it exactly for the same reasons. I mean, he was trying to save the country during the Depression. And he had, he was, you know, the Congress was made up of, of people willing to do these then radical things 
uh, spending programs and such, and he was stuck with a totally right-wing Supreme Court left over from Hoover and Coolidge and all the, you know, all the rest of them. And he tried to, yeah, pack the court. He tried to add some seats, and all hell broke loose. So yeah. it, it, it was a PR fiasco more than any. He backed off. So I don't know well, because it's seen as a political a politica, politicization of what should not be a political body, but we're well, close to that. Yeah, we're way beyond that. We're way beyond that. I don't know. Yeah, we are way beyond. Listen, that, let me I, just say, um, no, we're we're just fucked. Okay, can we just cut to the chase? We yeah, are. Yeah, we're fucked. a fish on a hook, and no matter how much we wriggle, it just gets embedded in our cheek further. The Republicans, even though they are a minority party, if you ask Americans who they support, and if you look at the national election results, more Americans vote with Democrats. And yet, because Republicans are dogged about winning, they have understood it's a long game. So they've taken over legislatures. At, which Democrats don't give a shit about. They've taken over legislatures and then gerrymandered and passed voting suppression bills and done everything they can to ensure that even though they don't represent most Americans, they will have an outsized power at the polling booth. And consequently, even though they are a minority party, they own all three branches of our government, and they have an entire network that acts as nothing but a propaganda arm for them while pretending to be a news operation. I, I, I think it's, I, you know, I'm, I think it's pretty much... Stick a fork in us, pretty much, is what I think. Yeah, well, it's not its not the America that I <coughs> was raised to believe no. was my home. <clears throat> and what, there's some, uh, there's some uh, poll out. Oh, I'm sorry about this voice. There's a poll out that says that for the first time in America, uh, a minority of Americans say that they are something like fiercely proud of this country or something or proud to be an American it doesn't reach 50% anymore no <coughs> who could be proud well 46% well then they aren't thinking God. I mean you can love your child and know when they do wrong and not be proud of them got that right I think the whole idea is, yeah, exactly right. This sort of mindless love of country um, is, uh, well, it's just kind of leads to jingoistic, mindless patriotism that we see. Well, I, I swear, if we live through this, this is an extremely important lesson, that what we took for granted uh. has to be nurtured and cared for. And if, if we don't do that constantly... But you it's know what, Susan? Disappear. I was—I think I said on the air. I'm not sure if I said it to Bill. Um, you know, we don't learn—we don't learn from history. So we might learn that lesson, 
those of us right now seeing the country slip away from us. Yeah, but a generation from now, they didn't see it, and they won't know, they won't know it. Exactly right. That's why people don't understand that this is exactly like the Holocaust. Exactly. They've, they've decided that that word represents something unique that, that right. you should not speak about and that is so unspeakable that it right. doesn't happen again. Bullshit. Right. Bullshit. We're the first. We're the first. what it was about. Right. And we have that lesson. <coughs> the Germans didn't have that lesson no, where they could say, look. And, and if this one is more person tells me that I'm not allowed to say it and talk about it, and 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 is horrified that I would mention it. I'm going to slap them upside their face. Yeah, fuck Because they don't know what they're talking about, exactly and they're right. wrong. Right. Um, totally agree with you. So here's another. This is just a side. Um... Well, wait a minute. Let me just say, I'm part of part of this is I'm very angry that someone, that this group of people has stolen. From me and I, you and I, all of us. What I've had my whole life, it's been stolen from me, and that's the sense of security right. that my country could withstand just about anything because right. we were the United States right. of America. Right. And boy, have I been disabused of that. Right. My sense of security has been totally ripped from me, and maybe that's important. Maybe we do need to remember that we can't take this for granted. And if we want it back, we have to fight to get it back. And we have to stay in the fight, and we can't get tired of the fight, and we can't get um, dismayed by the fight. We just have to doggedly keep fighting to get it back. And then, just like the ancients tended that eternal flame, we've got to do it too. Or it'll go out. Well, I agree, of course. Uh, speaking of the New York Times. Well, now you were, so go ahead. I know. <laughs> That's what the pause was. All right. Dave Eggers, novelist, uh, penned a piece. I think that was in Saturday's paper. And he pointed something out, yet another thing that, you know, gets lost in the outrage du jour, um, that another way that the Trump White House is different than any other we have seen in our lifetimes. And um, he actually says in the entirety of American history, and he says that this White House is devoid of culture. In other words, Trump's been in office almost two years. He has had next to no artists, and by art I'm talking music and, you know, and authors and this and that, no culture. Uh, well, he did have two uh, uh, artists. He had Ted Nugent, right, and Kid Rock yeah. stop by. Wait, do we have to call Ted Nugent an artist? Well, Susan, he, yes, I don't know. Well, of course. <coughs> well, he, he 
when you're looking for artists in the Trump White House, that's who we could come up with. David Lynch. You can have David Lynch. And I do mean that. You can have David Lynch. Yeah, I heard that, too. So anyway, listen, there have been no official concerts at the White House. The Reagans had one every few weeks. There have been no poetry reading. Poetry reading? Oh, yeah, that I'd like to see. The Carters began a televised series in performance at the White House, which, uh, you know, you had Mikhail Baryshnikov, uh, you had, uh, you know, anyway, that disappeared the minute that Donald Trump was elected. Um, the only time you hear music is when he's up to some militaristic thing, so he always brings in the Marine Corps uh, band, right? Susan, we're, you're losing, you're breaking up. You, we lost you. I'm sorry. You're vaguely coming back. Sorry. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, still a little bit of a. Okay, sorry. Okay, so he uh, Egger says every great civilization has fostered great art, while authoritarian regimes have not. They see artists as either nuisances, enemies of the state, or propaganda tools. So the reality is, is that presidents have always welcomed American cultural you know, exemplars to the White House. They saw it as part of the job, a celebration of the country's art. Uh, my God, George H.W. Bush uh, had Michael Jackson to the White House. Don't, don't you think a great deal of this has to do with artists won't perform there? And then it became embarrassing to ask. I can't imagine that they asked. But you're right, most would not. That is true. They but, knew up front that the people that they might want to invite wouldn't come. And then they were setting them up for, they're setting themselves up for unpleasantness. So. My guess is is that everybody said, don't invite anybody lest they say no. Maybe. I mean, George W. Bush, who we like to, you know, at the time say was essentially illiterate. But, you know, look at him now. He's a painter, right? Uh, he had Bono in the Oval Office. He uh, had Yitzhak Perlman. He had Destiny's Child. He was an avid reader who had an ongoing uh, contest with Carl Rove to see who could read the most books in a year. That was W, for God's sakes. And we know we have a president now who literally does not read. God almighty. So, anyway, Eggers says, uh, the thing is, with art comes empathy. It allows us to look through someone else's eyes. It, it expands the moral imagination and makes it impossible to accept the dehumanization of others. When we are without art, we are a diminishing people, a diminished people. We are myopic, unlearned, and cruel. Exactly the way Trump's base wants it because that's what they want. That's what they want. 
all this shit that we elites think of as valuable, they want to trash. <coughs> and as Bill and I were saying yesterday, they'll take down the house. They'll take us all down because their spite and hatred of us is so intense, they don't care if they take everything down. Remember when they used to say, you know, when before the election, that they wanted, they wanted him to explode everything, to just blow it up, right? People would say that. Got to blow it up. Well, wonderful. He's done it. How about an obituary to cheer us up? Oh, good. I love obits. Me too. Harlan Ellison. Do you know him? Writer? No. Writer? You're not into science fiction. No. He wrote over 100 books, 1,700 short stories. He wrote, all he did was write, 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 write. He was nuts, and he was nuts. But listen to the first paragraph of the New York Times obit, which I think is just wonderful. I mean, wonderful writing and, and nails Harlan Ellison. He's, the obit says this, Harlan Ellison, a furiously prolific and cantankerous writer, whose science fiction and fantasy stories reflected a personality so intense that they often read as if he were punching his manual typewriter keys with his fists, has died at the age of 84. Well, when you read the whole obit, you see that that is absolutely, this guy was filled with rage. And he exhibited it his entire life. He, by the way, insisted people like uh, Isaac Asimov and, uh, and uh, Ray Bradbury were always saying that he was a, you know, a genius writer in their genre. And he absolutely despised being thought of as a science fiction writer. And here's what he said in an interview about 10 years ago. <laughs> Listen to this. Call me a science fiction writer. I'll come to your house and I'll nail your pet's head to the coffee table. I'll hit you so hard your ancestors will die. <laughs> That's a really good one. I know. It says here. I like that. I have to remember that. Yeah, yeah. So he said that he lost his job with the Walt Disney Company on the first day. When he stood up in its commissary with company executives watching and described how he wanted to make an animated pornographic film starring Mickey and Minnie Mouse. I don't know if that's true. His many lawsuits included one against the makers of the movie The Terminator, in which he accused them of plagiarizing a script that he had written in 1964. Could well be. He wrote a lot for Star Trek, Twilight Zone, the Outer Limits, blah, 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 blah. says here he grew up outside of Cleveland and was bullied a lot in school, mostly because he was a Jew. And that's part of what fueled his anger. Here's a quote. 
I survived their tender mercies with nothing more debilitating to show for it than a lifelong blood-drenched obsession for revenge. I mean, this is an angry man. Yep. He, he attended Ohio State but left after two years. At one point he punched an English professor who had told him he didn't see any writing talent in him. And thereafter, Ellison sent copies of his published stories to the professor every time they were published. So uh, there you have it. He was, uh, he was best friends with Robin Williams, uh, who described uh, Harlan Ellison as, get this, here's Robin Williams describing his friend here, a skin graft on a leper. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> um, okay, and here I'll just end it with Isaac Asimov once called Ellison one of the best writers in the world, but he lamented that Ellison had too often been sidetracked by his furies. And here's Asimov. It is simply terrible that he should be constantly embroiled in matters which really have nothing to do with his writing and which slow him down. He claims he's five feet four inches tall, but it doesn't really matter. In talent, energy, and courage, he is eight feet tall. So Asimov was a big, big fan. Harlan Ellison, ladies and gentlemen, dead angrily at the age of uh, 84. Isaac Asimov is one of my Me Too moments. I know. <laughs> And I reported it contemporaneously. Yes, too, you did. So you know it's true. Well, do you want to? Um, well, he attacked me in an elevator. Well, we lived in the okay. same building. Yeah. Um, is an attack too strong a word? Well, okay, he didn't attack me, but you know, yeah, he did attack me. I was in the elevator with a man who turned out to be Isaac Asimov, who felt he had the right to touch me. All right. Uh, on my tush, as I recall. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, you know, I so yeah. You didn't find that, uh, yeah. I yeah, didn't know. So I rem I was freaked. Yeah, but Susan, it was in the seventies. There was no that yeah. was yeah, and if this, you it was in the seventies, so I I guess I was supposed to be uh, complimented. That's right. That Isaac Asimov liked your ass. my ass right. in an elevator. Yeah. I wasn't. Just just to make it clear, I wasn't. I was shocked and dismayed. Um, now, when Isaac Besheva Singer wandered ah! into my room when I was 16, when he stayed at the house at 3 o'clock in the morning and offered to tell me a bedtime story, I found that rather cute, but I did just walk the old guy back to his room. and. So what is it with these uh, old uh, Jewish writers named uh, Isaac where uh, they're hitting on you? I don't know. But How did Isaac, wait a minute, how did Isaac Pesheva Singer end up in our house? They, he was speaking, you know, he was invited in by the Jewish congregation, and those people frequently stayed as our house guests. I don't know why. All right, so. There wasn't really a good hotel here then. I right. think he's, he, I know he stayed with us. He slept in Bill's room. I was at uh, college. Bill and I were gone already. Right. 
Right. So he wandered into your room in the middle of the night? Yeah, came right into my room in the middle of the night. You betcha he did. <laughs> oh, well. Um, Milton sent Harlan Ellison quotes, The two most common elements in the universe are hydrogen and stupidity. <laughs> and uh, if you make people think they're thinking, they'll love you. But if you really make them think, they'll hate you. They'll hate you. It yeah. hurts. It hurts to think. Yeah. Hard work. It is, and fewer and fewer people seem inclined uh, to do it. By the way, uh, Bill went home after the show uh, yesterday when we were, he was embarrassed about his, he wasn't embarrassed about pronouncing roof, roof. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, I had that dictionary of regional speech. Yeah, so he went right to the dictionary, yes. Yeah, and of course he found that, what was it? It's upstate New York and up upper Midwest um, that has that pronunciation, roof. And then we started well, coming... I wonder if it has anything to do with marching the Oneida Indians out of upstate New York and replanting them in the northern Midwest. A lot of Indian tribes were marched out of that area and replanted there. Yeah, I know, but, there. And but do you know how they pronounce roof? <laughs> why, no, why but would I'm just trying to think, why would those two <laughs> well, things I don't happen? Know. Well, that's one, but I, I don't... That seems like a stretch. <coughs> um, let me think. No, uh, Trump seems like a stretch, and that's true, so why does that seem like all a All right, stretch? yeah, there's a, no such thing as a stretch anymore. Every, we have now know that everything is possible. Everything and, is possible. And as George Carlin so famously said... Anyone in the United States can grow up to be president, and that's the problem. That's the problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, there, there it is. Um, but I forgot I was going to tell Oh, so there were other ones. Like, how do you s pronounce R-O-U-T-E? Well, I say root, as in the root of all evil. You say, like, so it's, you take root 66. R-O-U-T-E is pronounced the same way as R-O-O-T. Okay, so I agree with you, but I don't think that's... But other people say route. Route is what uh, Bill said. In all of these pronunciation things, Bill is wrong. I just want to say that. Right, because uh, route is actually spelled R-O-U-T, and it's what happens when you badly lose. That's right. You, we, you route the enemy. That is route. Right. Put an E on it. That is route. It's root. Root is R-U-T-E. Right. That's what the E at the end of that word does. Uh-huh. Huh. Chris writes, Robert Kennedy Jr. has the same affliction as Susan Collins. Just heard him in an interview about the death of his father, and I could barely understand him. His voice is really bad. Before I knew he had this diagnosis, I said to myself, he sounds exactly like his grandmother, Rose. You know, she sounded like that. That's true. But I just thought it was an old lady voice, you know. Right. You know. Uh, I don't know. So, uh, 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 uh. Well, Botox, that's, the, that's what Botox is really good for. What? Oh, it's paralyzing vocal cords. 
Yeah, well, it stops the tremor and allows you to speak. It, it works paradoxically. Yeah, yeah, strangely. Um, so... Keep fighting, Lynn. I'm being no help today at all. That's but okay. No, I I've, got, I've got stuff here. Oh, you're saying at least uh, you know my, you call me Lynn, right? And he screwed yeah. up. He screwed up and called me the family nickname. As, as our brother called you by your pet name. Which is so incomprehensible. For those of you who missed it, it was Ninu. Yeah. Believe it or not, that's... We all call, we all call Lynn Ninu. Uh, we still call Lynn Ninu. Um, I've never called my sister Lynn except when I am on this, uh, you know, whatever it is we right. do. That's the, the only, only family member, the Lynn. only person in our extended family who calls me Lynn is my son. Well, he calls you Lynn Cullen. Yes. <laughs> he doesn't even, he doesn't call you mom. He doesn't call you Lynn. He calls you Lynn Cullen. <laughs> Lynn Cullen, when's dinner? He just does it to annoy me, which it does. In, in, I think it's in, funny. In, yes. Blows through the door. Lynn Cullen! Hey. Oh, God. All right. So, uh, Susan. I thought something interesting um, happen, is happening a little bit. I just want to note. You know, uh, we, of course, have had this horror of a beautiful young black uh, boy uh, killed by a police officer here. That police officer yeah. has has been charged with uh, criminal yes, homicide. I that. Right. Um, he will probably be acquitted. Yes, exactly. And um, the and, and it'll be appropriate under the law as it stands. Okay, I just want to wait. But the 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 thing is is that there have been protests uh, constant yes. all over town, and yes. I just want to note this that. As far as I know, not one protester has even been arrested. There has been no altercations at all with police. Um, Good for your police department. Well, I want to credit both. I want to credit the Pittsburgh cops in the way they've handled this with such incredible restraint for a police force. And with the knowledge that their job was to protect the protesters. They understood that. They clearly had their marching orders. These people uh, have the right as American have citizens to do, right what, to they're do doing. what they're doing. Your job is to protect them. And that's what they have done in all instances. And I also want to credit the protesters who have, to a man, woman, and child done nothing that went beyond their first amendment rights um you know well, you if say, you look at you know i mean the, the example that uh, they are thankfully not following would be what happened ferguson. in st louis after yeah. ferguson right right and let me tell you the protesters didn't get crazy until the cops did the protesters got crazy because the first thing that happened is everybody showed up in riot gear right. and pointed assault rifles at them. Yeah, yeah. That is no way to make right. protesters think that they are safe. Well, I just want to say, Susan, the only two people that have been arrested that I'm aware of were 
counter-protesters. Another one was yeah. one was a guy who was in a truck that was stopped because they'd uh, blocked uh, the highway, and he was screaming obscenities and racial taunts at them. He was arrested. <laughs> And um, another guy who drove his car through a crowd over, he has been, I'm not sure if he's arrested yet, he's been identified and I think he will be arrested, he harmed people. And I noticed in, uh, that uh, at all the rallies that took place on Saturday uh, around the country uh, f uh, to protest the separation of children and the jailing of babies, uh, by the Trump administration, uh, not one arrest. All of the people doing what they do and have the right to do as Americans, behaving themselves properly, voicing their concerns. And the only arrest I'm aware of is the guy in Alabama was arrested uh, for in Huntsville, Alabama, at one of these uh, gatherings because he was screaming at the protesters and saying things like, oh, womp, womp, you know, like, oh, these poor kids. And then he pulled a gun and started waving a gun around. So, Oh, that's always good. That's always good. Um, and there was an Episcopalian priest trying to talk when he was circling the crowd and repeatedly shouting, womp, 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 womp. And the priest, Carrie Holder, says, the uniting force of love is greater than the force of hatred. And she was screaming to be heard above him. And eventually he started waving a Glock around. And he was uh, immediately arrested by the police. So the people, <laughs> I just want to point that out. Because um, there are some people, and a woman just lost her job here at Allegheny General because um, she put on her Facebook page something like, it was the most horrific thing. She put on her Facebook like, I'm really glad they, they cops shot and killed um, the kid here and they should do it more often, something like that. Somebody found that on her Facebook page and sent it to HR at Allegheny General. Right. She was fired immediately. Mm -hmm. So, guys, that is, you know, we can get these fuckers in that way. Just get them. There's so many of them. I always am of mixed feelings about those firings for um, ex for for exercising your First Amendment rights to make despicable comments, and then I realize no, that's as an a employer, corporation, no, an employer has absolute right. Right, uh, that, that's an employer has a right, right to hire and fire at will. Right. that's one of the Republicans' mainstays, by the that's way. That's right. That's right. So if you are going to exercise your right to hateful speech. You should expect that yeah, you, you may will not lose, have a job. You may well lose your job. That is the remedy for hateful speech. Right. And what AHN, Allegheny Health Network, said uh, is 
that the, this employee in no way represents our values, and yeah, so they had to, they shut her, got rid of her. We have a call. It's, that's happening over Good. and over again with with. Um, oh, you know, we're out of time. Women, I have to say, I mean, almost all of these are women that post these hateful things, and then they get fired. Aww. Um, hey, we're out of time, so and I'm sorry I would to like the caller. To call say too. to people, huh? Yeah. Go ahead, Susan. You want to say? I just, you know, I, you need to understand that Facebook is a public platform and that if you start publishing these things, that you're going to be punished. Maybe. I mean, you know, just like the woman that gave Trump's motorcade the, the finger, finger, she got right. fired. Right. It's not just, you know, right wing, it's also left wing. Right. People don't want their corporations associated with your political leanings, so you need to be careful. Right. All right, I want to. Uh, I'm sorry to the caller who was there because we're hung out of, up. I don't know if they hung up, but I'm hanging up on them. We're out of time, and um, and I just want to say, I don't think they. They're just trying to make me look stupid by not pulling the fire alarm, because I I made a point, did I not, at the very beginning of the show, saying it would happen. I bet the minute the show is over, it's going to go off. Anyway, I'm just saying. Well, isn't it nice we didn't have to listen to it? Yeah, really. Susan, thank you. Are you and Mom thank you. going back to Bye. Chicago? Wait, wait. Are you going back to Chicago? What? Are you going we're back? Going, to- we're going to go back to Chicago Wednesday because I had planned to have a dinner party on Wednesday, and that way Mom can see her great-grandchildren again. Yeah, And then that's we'll be good. back here on Friday to pick up the reconstruction okay great okay thank you thank you thank you thank you and um i'll be talking at you okay okay we'll we'll stay in touch i'll keep you posted okay bye bye Bye. don't blow your fingers off shooting off stupid firecrackers guys don't do it don't do it um so i'm not here tomorrow because i have to celebrate the birth of this once great nation and uh, I will be back on Thursday. We got Fat Man D and Liz Berlin coming in uh, for uh, a little bit of that hour, just so you'll have a heads up, okay? Oh, Clarence says, hey, that was me you hung up on. Well, Clarence, you got to, you know, come in in a timely fashion. I know you were there before the show, and I forgot I did. My fault. Anyway, um, okay, guys, have a good one, and uh, see you Thursday. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m., and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.